Welcome back, my fellow creatives, to Story Cuppings, where we are taking sips of indie fiction and just celebrating the joy it is to be a writer and to read each other's writing and to just see how wonderful it is when kindred spirits can build their worlds, create their characters, and embark on adventures that we ourselves could never imagine. I am here in the evening and my children are a little crazy, but here's hoping that you and I can take a moment to peacefully sip, <laughs> peacefully, uh, hope on, hopefully with the peacefully bit, but peacefully sip from a fantastical adventure. Following the green rabbit, by Chris Hall. I have seen snippets of this book before and I'm really excited to dive into the first. I always say dive. I say dive a lot, but you can't dive into a coffee cup. And I know I've commented on that before of myself, but I don't like that I make this a bad habit. Hmm. I am going to have to rework my metaphors, similes, and other words of things. All right, let's get into chapter one of this adventure. I love all oh, Chris's dedication page. For adventurers everywhere, young and old. Indeed, my friend. Chapter one. Eat it up now before it gets cold. Hodge placed steaming bowls of porridge on the kitchen table in front of her two young charges. Bryony, the elder girl, carefully trailed the golden line of honey over the creamy bowlful, whilst her younger sister, Bethany, blobbed a large spoonful of bright strawberry jam in the center of hers, stirring rapidly to turn the white to pink. That girl gets me. <laughs> they spooned their breakfast down hungrily, watched by their smiling housekeeper. Hodge ran water into the porridge pot and stood it on the a draining board to soak. She turned back to the girls. Now then, make the most of this week, because Mr. Eyre will be arriving on Sunday afternoon. Bryony laid her spoon down and looked up at Hodge. Do we really need a tutor? We've been three whole months without one. Surely all we'll ever need to learn is in the books in Papa's library. You know perfectly well what your parents' letter said, Miss Bryony. A tutor has been engaged to give you a proper and, what was it? A proper and progressive education as befits the daughters of the British Empire, Bryony quoted, having memorized the contents of her mama's latest letter. Now, whether or not she was sarcastic in saying that, I'd just like to think she was. <laughs> That's my take as a reader. What's the British Empire? asked Bethany. Hodge laughed. Well then, there's your first question for Mr. Eyre when he comes. She turned back to the sink, smiling to herself, and set to work on the stubborn cooking pot. Poor Jeaton, Bryony took their bowls over to the sink. Bethany flung open the kitchen door, and the morning breeze wafted in, bringing with it the summer scent of new-mown grass. Don't be late for lunch now, and try not to get those pinafores dirty, Hodge pleaded. I had the devil's own job getting those fruit stains out last week. I believe it, too. The girls looked at each other, then turned to Hodge, smiling sweetly. Yes, Hodge, they said in unison. All right, off you go now. 
As the two girls ran up the garden, Hodge sighed. It didn't seem so long ago that she had been running wild back in Ireland through the sweet meadows of her family's farm. And I'll just pause there for a moment. We have a really nice interaction here with the characters so that we are understanding a bit of what these children's life is like and that they are, despite, you know, the, the housekeeper character being clearly very kind and very caring, there are no parents. They're being sent to tutor which means they're not necessarily around other children. So there's still this, there is a sense of isolation here. Um, the, the separation from the rest of the world. And we cannot help but wonder if this separation is for good or ill. I guess we'll have to keep reading to find out. Bethany skipped across the garden, pausing at the fish-filled pond with its large central fountain. Bryony watched as her sister dipped her hand into the water, giggling as one of the gleaming golden fish started to nibble her fingertips. Then she was off again, running beyond the confines of the well-kept garden and on into the orchard beyond. Bryony shut the garden gate behind her and wandered over to the old oak tree which stood in the corner of the field. Tom the gardener had told her that it was over two hundred years old. She brushed the debris from the little bench which Tom had built for them, then sat down smoothing out the pages of her notebook in her lap. Her pencil poised, she stared across the orchard, seeking inspiration. Oh, don't we all, don't we all, indeed. Come and look at the clouds with me, Bethany shouted. She was sitting on the soft grass, legs stretched out, leaning back on her hands, her golden curls tumbling over her shoulders. Come on, Briny! Briny gathered her things and went to join her sister. They lay on the grass, heads touching, staring up at the blue summer sky. Look, there's a squirrel, she pointed at a fat round cloud dragging a wispy plume behind it. I think it looks like more like Celia's cat. Tom said we might have one of her kittens when they're old enough. If Hodge lets us. She will if we ask her nicely. Bryony was pointing again over to the left. Doesn't that one look just like Clara? Clara was Bryony's favorite hen a little round bantam with snowy white feathers and frills on her feet. She closed her eyes and listened to the insects buzzing around the fruit trees. Tom was pleased with them, and a bumper crop of apples, cherries, and plums was anticipated. Bethany sighed. I wish we could stay like this forever. With no Mr. Eyre. He can't be worse than Miss Calderbridge, with her stupid pointy nose and her silly stuck-up voice. Both girls giggled. Bryony rolled over on her stomach. Mama hasn't been very good at picking our tutor so far, has she? She plucked a daisy from the grass and examined it. I suppose it's harder when you're so far away. What's it like in India? Bethany turned on one side and looked at her sister. Well, the garden with all those roses in that postcard Mama sent looked a bit like ours, didn't it? But it's much, much hotter there. So now we have a little bit a little bit more about these kids and again with the time frame if the british parents are in india well then who knows when these kids are seeing their parents again and that's why tutors keep getting sent so the staff are essentially raising these kids and again they're isolated they're not seeing other kids and that can 
be a recipe for adventure. <laughs> if you think about it, for it is the the lonely child that does like to explore more, isn't it? Not necessarily, now that I'm thinking about it. Dinah Wynne Jones had, what was it, The House of Many Ways. There was one girl that was friendless, but she just wanted her books. And she just wanted to be in the sorcerer's house to read her books and wanted to be left alone. And the house basically made her... <laughs> get, get into the swing of things with the adventure but I've noticed that you know when kids if they're on their own maybe and maybe that's just my experience as a mom with my sons when one is unoccupied he tends to be adventurous it could be before bash but tends to go into the unknown places to see what he can see and I have a feeling these girls are going to be doing just that. They had been silent for a little while, when suddenly they heard something rustling in the bushes behind the, by the fence behind them. They looked round to see an enormous rabbit emerge, nose twitching. His fur was grey-brown with a slight tinge of green. He nibbled on a piece of long grass and then hopped past them. He was so close that Bryony could have stretched out and touched him. He stopped by the first tree and sat up on his hind legs. Then he turned and looked directly at them. And none of this is sounding like rabbit behavior that I know, so I'm wondering what's going on. That's the biggest rabbit I've ever seen! Look at his fur! Bryony whispered. The rabbit's ears twitched. Do you think he wants us to follow him? Bethany whispered back. Bryony laughed. You're not Alice. It was only last year that Bryony had read. Bryony had read Alice in Wonderland to her. But look, Bryony! The rabbit had raised a paw in their direction. I'll just go a bit nearer. She stood up slowly so as not to alarm the creature, then took a few steps toward him. The rabbit hopped off as far as the next stand of apple trees. He hopped and turned, looking up at Bethany with his dark brown eyes. His left ear bent quizzically. He looked. She looked back at Bryony. I'm going to follow him. Bryony watched her sister scamper off after the rabbit. At twelve, going on thirteen, she felt she was a bit old to be running after rabbits, even if it was an exceptional-looking animal. She rolled over on her back and resumed her contemplation of the clouds. They formed picture, pictures in her mind, pictures which she would later turn into stories. Miss Calderbridge had not approved of her work. Far from it. Too fanciful, she'd said in that prissy high voice. Fortunately, she's le she'd left soon after that particular pronouncement. That had been more than two months ago, and Bryony's notebook was more than half full now. She hoped Mr. Eyre would be more sympathetic and not try to force useless mathematical problems down her throat. She was going to be a writer. What possible use was algebra? Bryony was distracted by thoughts of Mr. Eyre. How old was he? Might he be young and handsome? Mama's letter hadn't mentioned these things. Her eyes focused, refocused on the sky. She let her imagination run free, then struck by a burst of imagination an inspiration, she sat up. After a few minutes thought, she snatched up her notebook and pencil and hurried over to the bench under the oak tree, one of her favorite writing spots. Starting on a new page, she wrote the words, Bethany and the Great Green Rabbit. She sucked at the end of her pencil for a moment 
then began to write. Bryony wrote five pages in her closely written script as her story unfolded. Eventually, she came to a halt and closed the notebook, a satisfied smile on her face. She looked up through the rich canopy of oak leaves which shielded her from the summer sunshine. The shadows had shortened. She'd better go find her sister. Bryony leapt to her feet and stowed the notebook and pencil in her pinafore pocket before setting off through the orchard. There was a small woodland on the, at the far side. The girls weren't really supposed to go in there, but they often had, although only as far as the first clearing. No doubt Bethany would be picking bluebells there. When Briny reached the clearing, sure enough, there she was, sitting on a fallen log. Her long golden hair obscured her face. She was looking down, examining something she was holding in her hands. "'What have you got there?' Briony asked as she sat down next to her sister. Bethany held out a tiny wooden object. It just fitted into the palm of her hand. It was a carving of a little bird, which had once been painted. Brown feathers on its back and red on its breast. A robin. It's lovely, Beth. Where did you find it? And that's where the chapter ends. Now I dig Chris's choice in pausing here because we are left as readers to imagine where Bethany had gone as they as she was following that rabbit. And again, because we have this sense of isolation from earlier in the chapter and know that they are not really close to anyone, finding such a carved object, such a carved creature in this woods where no one else really goes is very mysterious, very strange. Plus the rabbit doesn't seem to be anywhere either, which is also mysterious. So we have a lot of questions now as readers. And because Chris, through her writing choices, um, has built up the relationship of the sisters and also this sense that the elder sister is on that cusp of growing up. She feels she's too old to chase rabbits. Whereas the younger one is still very much in the spirit of adventure, in the spirit of imagination, of seeing things and chasing after things. And this kind of pairing promises not only solid character choices to help propel the story forward, but it also promises perhaps the potential for some conflict, not just because sisters get into fights every now and then because they're sisters. Not that I know this, I have no sister, but I've seen it, <laughs> I've witnessed it. Um, but the sense that one is feeling she is growing old for childish things. She's thinking of what she's going to do when she grows up. She is thinking of the future. Whereas the younger sister is very much looking at the elsewheres, the other places that are not where they are. This promises a conflict to come, but we'll have to keep reading to find it. And I hope you will take a chance to sip from following the green rabbit when you 
when you are able because it's such a just it's so much fun to be able to experience the story worlds that indie writers create and let's face it there will always be the mainstream publications that will always be around on every street corner just like well at least here in the united states just like the starbucks that like to pop up every three blocks it's the indie places the out of the way places the mom and pop places the places started with just a dream and a hope to share what we love. So I hope you get a chance to enjoy some indie fiction, whether it's Chris Hall or Jason Savin or Shane Moore or any other number of indie writers. Because I'm going to keep sharing them here too. And if you know of an indie writer I should share, please let me know. I'd love to check them out. So until next week, read on, share on, and write on, my friends. Cheers. <laughs>